0: Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to Be the Informed Patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. A number of patients who survive COVID infection struggle with a variety of symptoms long after they've recovered from the infection, and some of those symptoms are related to the body's autonomic system. Here with me to talk about his research on this subject is Dr. Ahmed Eldokla? He's a neurologist at Upstate who specializes in neuromuscular medicine and autonomic disorders. Welcome back to The Informed Patient, Dr. Dokla. Hi,
1: Amber. How are you doing?
0: Great. Now, you and your colleagues have examined the association between long COVID syndrome and autonomic dysfunction. But before I ask you more about that, can you explain dysautonomia, what, what that is?
1: So simply, it means dysfunction, or a problem in the autonomic nervous system. Uh, Autonomic nervous system is a part of the peripheral nervous system that regulate involuntarily, without a person's conscious effort. Regulate many parts of the uh, human body, blood pressure, heart rate, body temperature, digestion, metabolism, production of body fluid, like saliva, sweat, tears, urination, defecation, and sexual response.
0: So these are all things that happen without us controlling or Absolutely. even like knowing. Okay. And then by long COVID, we're talking about people who recovered from COVID, but then they're still having symptoms more than a month after they've recovered. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So long COVID defi- uh, defined as referred to symptoms that developed or persisted at least four weeks after the onset of acute COVID-19 infection. Long COVID symptom encompasses many symptoms, including shortness of breath, headache, memory changes, nausea, abnormal sweating, palpitation, anxiety, depression, fatigue, chest pain, and orthostatic intolerance. Many of those symptoms are seen in patients with autonomic dysfunction.
0: You said orthostatic?
1: Intolerance, which means uh, simply light headache when you stand up. Didn't Oxy. it, when you stand up?
0: Well, now, if I understand correctly, for the study that you were involved in, there was a questionnaire for patients who came to a post-COVID clinic at a hospital in Egypt. What did that questionnaire ask?
1: So the questionnaire is called Composite Autonomic Symptoms Score 31. Uh, we usually refer to as Combus 31 questionnaire, it is a validated and widely used questionnaire to quantify autonomic symptom severity. It consists of 31 questions regarding different parts of autonomic nervous system. An answer is scored anywhere between zero to a point, which would be one, two, three, and a score was obtained by adding together points to give a total score ranging from zero to a hundred. Give you examples. In the past year, have you ever felt faint, dizzy, or had trouble thinking soon after standing up from a sitting or lying position? When is standing up, how frequently do you get these feeling or symptoms? Does your mouth feel dry? Have you had trouble focusing your eyes? And so on, so on. 31 questions.
0: What can you tell me about the 320 patients who participated?
1: So patients were included in this study if they were above 18 years old, symptomatic at COVID-19 acute phase, regardless of the severity of the symptom or the need for oxygen or ICU support and had a confirmed diagnosis by PCR or antibody testing. And they should had symptoms for long COVID that developed or persisted at least four weeks after the onset of the illness.
0: So, were they men or women in the study?
1: About 73% were female and 27% were male. Age ranged from 18 to 74 years, with a mean of 35.9 years. Most patients, 90% has a diagnosis of COVID for more than 12 weeks, with a mean duration of 42 weeks.
0: So with three quarters, roughly, of your um, sample being female, do you think that means that more women are affected
1: by long COVID? It seems like more women affected by long COVID, yes.
0: Do you have any idea why the virus affects some people one way and other people another way? Because patients are not having all of those symptoms. You've got some patients with these symptoms and some patients with these other symptoms. Is that right?
1: That's that's correct. That's absolutely correct. I think no one knows for sure, but I think people's immune response to infection, rather than the virus itself, that determines who is at the greatest risk from COVID-19. I also think that genetics play a role as does gender too.
0: Genetics and gender in what way? Are, Are women, what symptoms affect women versus what symptoms affect
1: men? It's not clear, but there is some research that estrogen may help women against a severe disease.
0: So would that protection apply only to premenopausal women? In other words, after the estrogen starts to decline after menopause, do those rates change?
1: No. It is really female, no matter what age. And actually, you see this also in autoimmune disease. So like people who have lupus. You see, most of them are female. So any autoimmune disease or most autoimmune disease affected female more than male.
0: Now, what dysautonomia symptoms were most common among the participants in the study?
1: So many symptoms. I, I'm going to mention some of those. Bloated feeling after a meal, vomiting, cramping, colicky abdominal pain, bouts of diarrhea, A change in the skin color, dry eyes or dry mouth, feeling dizzy soon after standing up from a seating or lying position, trouble focusing your eyes, and sensitivity to bright light. Those symptoms are just an example.
0: Do you have any prediction for whether these symptoms will get better with time?
1: That's a good question. This study doesn't address that question specifically. However, in our practice, we see these symptoms improve with time, but not necessarily resolve completely.
0: What is the treatment, or is there a treatment, is there a way to accelerate, you know, getting rid of these symptoms?
1: The treatment usually is directed to the symptom itself. We call it symptomatic treatment, meaning we mainly treat the symptoms, for example, if the patient has lightheaded or dizziness when he stands up. We encourage him or her to drink enough fluid, exercise, and if it didn't work, we start medication that improves the blood pressure upon standing. Same thing with nausea, same thing with the vomiting.
0: This is Upstate's The Informed Patient podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Ahmed el Dokla. He's a neurologist at Upstate who specializes in neuromuscular medicine and autonomic disorders, And we've been talking about patients with long COVID who come to see Dr. Eldokla to find out whether their symptoms are related to an autonomic disorder. Do researchers understand why some people are plagued by these symptoms and some people aren't? You know, long after the active disease is gone, do do we have a feel for why these people are affected?
1: That's a very important question. So there is not much, literature that discusses the etiology and rationale of autonomic dysfunction associated with COVID. In our paper, we discuss the possible mechanism. Let me give you some examples. COVID-19 infection in mice downregulate the angiotensin converting enzyme 2, or we call it AS2. A changes in AS2 expression or function can lead to blood pressure changes resulting in lowering the blood pressure which can give you lightheaded when you stand up. Scans of the brain have suggested possible COVID-19 impairment of areas of the brain that control the autonomic nervous system. For example, the hypothalamus and the brainstem, which which are important parts of the autonomic nervous system. COVID-19 also led to release of a large number of inflammatory cytokines, which is a material that makes you fight the infections or inflammations these material can affect various body organs. for example sympathetic nervous system is a part of the autonomic nervous system when sympathetic hyperactivation occurs it can cause arrhythmia which is irregular heart rhythm hypertension increased sweating reduced intestinal motility and it can lead to serious complication including injury to the heart
0: Do we know if vaccination status has any impact on whether someone develops long COVID?
1: We didn't look into that in this study, but I'm sure there will be more study to discuss this question.
0: Now, this particular study was focused on patients in Egypt. Is there any reason to believe you would find something vastly different among the people in the United States?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Well, I'd like to ask you about the autonomic testing that you're doing here in Syracuse for patients with long COVID who are struggling with symptoms. What does autonomic testing consist of?
1: The autonomic testing we are doing here in Syracuse consisted of four parts. One, tilt table testing. We tilt the patient up and down and measure the blood pressure and heart rate. Two, we measure the sweating from the legs and arms, a test called Q-sart or Q-sweat. Three, we ask the patient to breathe in and out and we measure the variability of the heart rate. Four, we ask the patient to blow in a closed tube and measure the changes in the blood pressure and heart rate.
0: So do you do all of this in one visit?
1: Yes. Yes, we do.
0: How long is the visit? It seems like it's pretty comprehensive.
1: It is. And actually, it involves a lot of technical factors, and training. But usually, it takes anywhere between 60 to 90 minutes.
0: So are you able to determine, based on the results of those four tests, whether someone's symptoms are caused by COVID? Or, I mean, how do you tell if it's something else?
1: <laughs> that's, that's an interesting question. But, but to a certain degree, yes. If the symptoms started after COVID-19 infection, or in association with the onset of the COVID-19, it makes sense to say that it is most likely associated with COVID. But if the symptoms started well before COVID-19, we, con- we conclude that it is unlikely to be caused by COVID. But I have to say that all the autonomic symptoms or most of the autonomic symptoms can be worsened with COVID infections. And we see this, we see this all the time. But not all the people who have symptoms really have the disease. So there is another study it's going to be published in a few weeks. We find only 25% of the patients who have symptoms actually have a real autonomic disease.
0: Meaning autonomic disease caused
1: by long COVID or any sort of autonomic disease? Autonomic disease caused by long COVID. So they have symptoms, but they they are not necessarily have the autonomic disease. Could be they are bedridden for a long time. It could be they are anxious. It could be they are deconditioned. But only 25% of those have a a real autonomic disease.
0: So among the other 75%, if they don't have the disease, is it some kind of psychosomatic manifestation that they think they have it? Or are these symptoms that just pop up and then they go away and there's nothing ever really there?
1: I think they are real. They have symptoms. But, but the problem is how you react to those symptoms. I will give you an example. When we are sitting down, we have at least million of receptor work. So you feel the chair under you, right? But your brain ignores that. You might felt it now when I told you you feel the chair under you, but you didn't think about it, you know? So those people who are somatic or have more response to the symptom, it is the same thing. Their brain are not turned off. Their brain react to any small thing. So they are hyper-excitable. We, we believe them. They have symptoms. But this could be because of the disease itself. You are in the ICU for a long time, you know. You are thinking about everything. You are anxious. You are not moving. Imagine that you are lying in bed for a week. How you will feel. So it's not necessary they have autonomic disease per se, but they have symptoms that need physical therapy, deconditioning, psychotherapy, stuff like that. So with the
0: 25% who it is autonomic disease, um, once they recover and the symptoms abate, have they got lasting damage to their autonomic nervous system?
1: So the damage can be functional or the damage can be anatomical. Like, for example, when you have a stroke, it's anatomical damage. You damage certain part of the brain because you don't have enough blood supply to that part of the brain. But with the autonomic nervous system, mostly it's a functional problem. So they are not working as they used to work, not anatomical damage. So just to answer this question simply, most of the patient will have dysfunction or abnormal function of the autonomic nervous system that can resolve with the time, but some of them will not resolve with the time.
0: Interesting. Now this specialized testing is not available from every neurologist. So the patients who come to you for the testing, do you see them continually or do they go back to their other doctor after the testing?
1: Mostly they go back to their doctor after the testing. The patients who are severely affected, they continue to see us.
0: Okay, well, this has been very informative and I appreciate you making time for this interview.
1: Thank you, Amber. Thank you very much.
0: My guest has been Dr. Ahmed El-Dokla, a neurologist at Upstate with expertise in neuromuscular medicine and autonomic disorders. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine, brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.